It's that time. The Sports Talker. Here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Sports Talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Big day for Kentucky basketball, especially the future of Kentucky basketball. Two five-stars planning on committing tonight, ESPNU, 6 o'clock. Isaiah Briscoe, Scal Labissier. Good chance Kentucky gets both of them. Decent chance Kentucky ends up with only one. Uh, I would be very surprised if Kentucky comes up with zero new commits today. And the question of the day hasn't rest necessarily been where's Isaiah Briscoe going or where's Scal Labissier going. It's is Scal Labissier going to be eligible? Is he going to be able to play college basketball? We talked a lot about this yesterday on the show and uh, mentioned CBS. Gary Parrish wrote an article. You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. The Sports Buzz had some technical difficulties there to start the show. Those are cleared up. We shouldn't have any other issues the remainder of the show. Uh, but it wouldn't be the sports talker without a little technical difficulty or uh, me messing up somehow. And I and, and it seemed that the problems were on my end, too. But everything's been taken care of. We're ready for some show now. I'm just going to start over because I don't know what you all heard, what you didn't hear, uh, where it started and when it cut off. But I'm pretty sure it probably wasn't very far into the show. Uh, but I was talking to myself there for a little bit in the dark, not knowing that we had gone off the air. Uh, and that always makes for some fun. Um, anyway, so big big show today, big day today for Kentucky basketball. And you've got uh, Scal Abissier and Isaiah Briscoe deciding on a college. It'll be on ESPNU at 6 o'clock tonight. We'll have to wait and see where they end up. Like I've said, it's a much better chance UK walks away with two commitments today than none. And I feel very, very confident that Scalabissier will pick Kentucky later today. Isaiah Briscoe, I've got a prediction for him, too. Uh, and, you know, I feel confident about it. It's it's not 100%. Nothing in the recruiting is 100%, but I feel confident about it. So I'll give that later on on the show today. The funny thing about this big recruiting day for Kentucky is really the main question that's been asked to me and and on catsillustrated.com isn't where is Isaiah Briscoe going to go? Where is Scal Labissier going to go? It's will Labissier ever be eligible to play college basketball? That's been the big question. First, you know, he hasn't even committed to UK yet. And again, I feel confident that he's going to. But this is all very young in this process of Gary Parrish's article and what he was talking of and what the whole article is about that Scalabissier's guardian, Gerald Hamilton, was seeking money, profit from Scalabissier in one way or the other. It could have been AU, it could have been his college destination, uh, it could have been high schools, 
And it could have been all of them. It, likely it was all of them. I, I think at the end of the day, you've got to look at Gerald Himmel, Hamilton and realize that he's a, a snake in the grass, a scumbag. And just, again, he, he is a terrible person to have involved in recruitment. He's a terrible person to have involved in athletics. And the label guardian for him, for him is the exact opposite. So a lot remains to be seen here. Uh, did he collect money? It's not It's not an NCAA rule to talk to an agent. It's not an NCAA rule to be stupid and naive and ask for money. You know, it's ugly. But that's not breaking the rules. Now, the rule is broken when you accept money and when you make a deal with an agent. And we don't know for sure yet if Hamilton did any of those things. And we don't know if Hamilton, if he accepted that money, if he was paid, where that money went. And what the NCAA will deem a, a violation against Scowl Abyssia. You know, Gerald Hamilton's not going to play college. And a lot of this reminds me a, a little bit of the... Cam Newton scenario, and the details, you know, aren't all the same, but Cam Newton's dad was the one going around shopping Cam Newton, and supposedly Cam Newton didn't know anything about it. Now, how is this different with Gerald Hamilton going around and shopping Scal Labissier and Labissier not going and not knowing anything about it? I guess the difference could be if, if he has collected money and that paid for Scalabissier is living with Gerald Hamilton. So, you know, cost of living, and you can you can mix in a little Ennis Cantor there. Uh, Ennis Cantor ruled ineligible because he played overseas. It's a very different format overseas with how they do basketball for young players. It's basically like one giant farm system. And Ennis Cantor, teenage Ennis Cantor, was good enough to make it up to, um, you know, one of the top levels the point where players were getting paid and his family opted for him to not to get paid, but the NCAA ruled that he received $33,000 in impermissible benefits, uh, which means, you know, maybe extra food, maybe uh, travel, you know, it it could be, the the list could go on and on on what that exactly could be. $33,000 is way too much to make up. You've seen players get suspended and have to pay back a couple thousand dollars uh, 33000 is just, just entirely too much. Uh, so, again, we're going to have to wait for details to come out. If Scalabissier, if Gerald Hamilton accepted money. But as of right now, if you're Kentucky, you don't, you don't shy away from a commitment from him. You don't take him because there's red lights. You know, there, there's alert, alerts around Scalabissier maybe saying he's not going to be eligible. You take him and you worry about that down the road. Stove text in the G chat and says, are you sure it's not an NCAA rule to talk to an agent? It's the NCAA can't violate you for talking to somebody. Uh, You know, if Scalabissier was talking to an agent and the agent made promises to him, then that would be an NCAA violation. But you can't. They can't dictate who you are speaking with. 
and what conversations you have. And, and again, it will come down to, you know, if Scalabissier was having these conversations and if all this was on him and he was shopping his services and he was talking to different AAU teams, you know, he played for three different AAU teams in three years. But if this was Scal doing and if he was leaving high schools because he wanted money from high school coaches and AAU coaches, then, yeah, without a doubt, he wouldn't stand a chance. But this is his guardian. So how much does this reflect back on Scal? If Gerald Hamilton has a conversation with an agent saying, hey, well, let's let's hear your pitch for Scal, and then that's the end of it, that you know that's not an NCAA violation. Scal can't be punished because of that. Now, it's a, if conversations were recorded and came out, then you could be skating on thin ice. But if an agent says, yeah, I talked to him, he wanted money, it never happened, though, you know, Scal's still going to be able to play college basketball there. So that's been the hot question, is whether or not he's going to be eligible. And the answer is right now, we don't, we don't know. Because right now, it's just a lot of speculation. It's a lot of people saying this, a lot of people saying that. I've known for the longest time that Gerald Hamilton was a shady figure, but my response, but my inclination was that Memphis was doing everything to make him happy, and Scalabissia was going to go to Memphis. But things have changed, and maybe Gerald Hamilton overstepped his boundaries. Uh, I know that for a fact, sources have told me that Josh Pastner is so fed up with this recruitment; he's been in the dark. Memphis staff hasn't been able to get a hold of Scal or Gerald Hamilton. And Scal could be going into this decision tonight without talking to Memphis's staff for quite some time. So it will be it'll be interesting how to, how this all plays out. But if you're Kentucky again, you don't You don't back away from a commitment. That's not the smart thing to do here because this can't negatively impact you. The only way you get burned here is if he's ineligible and then you're without a, a possible commit. But again, I don't see a scenario where Scalabissier is going to scare away other top targets. And I don't see a, a scenario. Honestly, I, I expect him to be eligible. So we'll have to see. It'll be, again, he officially visited Memphis October 18th. But since then, I I don't think there's been a lot of contact between Memphis and him. I think, again, things kind of went south in that recruitment. Got a tweet into the show from Squilliam. He's comparing this to the, the Brandon Bender and, and I'm not 100% sure I, I would need to freshen myself up on the Brandon Bender ordeal. But it does sound a little bit similar. Uh, but wasn't Brandon Bender an agent himself? Uh, I, over the break, maybe I'll, I'll look into that a little bit more. But, it, you know, this isn't new. This isn't a. This isn't the first time a, a, a a family member, a parent, an adult has tried to take advantage of a teenager's ability to play basketball and make money off of it. And, and it's sad. It's sad every time where you've got 
basically it's just manipulation. A parent trying to manipulate a kid into doing what they want him to do, hoping there's a payday coming from it. When in reality, it's just so stupid. Uh, you know, he came to the United States in 2010. He was offered by UK in 2012. This is, it's 2014, it's almost 2015. He was offered in 2012 by UK. So that means he could play high-level D1 basketball that early on in his development. And this piece of trash, Gerald Hamilton, thought it would be wise to make a few thousand bucks here and there. I mean, best-case scenario, a few thousand bucks here and there before then. Look at all the players that have gone through a UK, and it's not just UK, it's Kansas, it's Duke, it's, you know, one-and-dones are not just common to one school. But look at all the one-and-dones that are multi-millionaires a year after they graduate high school. A full calendar year. And Gerald Hamilton was not patient enough to wait, potentially wait for that. Why make a? It's just so stupid. While people continue to do this, why hope for a few thousand bucks and jeopardize the chance for your player, your your son, your prodigy, whatever you want to call it, to be a millionaire somewhere down the road? And if Scalabissi is as good as he is supposed to be, he's going to be in the NBA one way or the other. But he might have to take a different path to get there. He might have to go overseas. If college doesn't work out, but he's, you know, history tells us college is the is the easiest way to get there and, and to get your name out there and to give yourself a, a great career branding. But it's just ridiculous. Stove on the G chat asks, do you think that the fact that Scal, Labissier, and Isaiah Briscoe committing at the same time indicates that they're going to go to UK? No, I don't because. I, well, I specifically asked Isaiah Briscoe's dad on Monday if his son knew Scal, and he said, yeah, he's familiar with him. And I said, have they talked to playing with, uh, have they talked about playing together? Uh, have they talked about deciding on the same day or anything like that? He said, no, they, they don't know each other like that or anything. They don't, they don't have that serious of conversations. And then he later went on. I guess Isaiah was with him when he was talking to me. He later went on and say, Isaiah doesn't really know him at all. He just knows that he's a basketball player. So that was the extent of their relationship. So I'm not putting any stock into the fact that they are committing on the same day necessarily means that they're going to both go to the same school. You know, Nerland's Noel and Shabazz Muhammad committed on the same day. Shabazz Muhammad went to UCLA, of course, and Nerlens Noel carved UK into his head and spun around and became a Wildcat. So uh, it doesn't mean anything to me that they're going uh, that they're going to commit on the same day. But again, UK fans and rival fans, because I know, um, and the sad thing is, it's not like it's not like Scal Labissier is a shady recruit. He's got a shady guardian, and that's a perfect word for it. But UK fans and rival fans looking to pile on and jump on the John Calipari's a cheater train. Just be be patient here. Just wait. More details are going to come out. And there will be writing on the wall. 
the good news is for Scalabissier and fans of Scalabissier, which will likely be Kentucky fans here in three hours, he's a great student. He's going to a really good high school. The Reach Your Dream, now this is what people are getting confused about. Reach Your Dream is this organization that Gerald Hamilton founded, which brings talented basketball players, talented athletes from impoverished countries to America to give them another to give them a chance, which kind of just sounds bad altogether. Why bring athletes from third world countries? Why not just bring anybody? Any young students looking to learn, but just because they're athletes, you're going to take them. But anyways, he started that organization in 2005. That's not a school. That's basically like a, a YMCA. It, it, it's just an organization that tries to help students and bring them here. And then, you know, you have the case of the of the young man that came over with Scalabissier and eventually was shipped to Boston because he wasn't going to be a D1 athlete. That's a sad story. And again, it just paints the other – it paints a picture for Gerald Hamilton. But Reach Your Dream is not a school. It's not like Scalabissier is going and taking fake classes. And he is considering UNC. So if, if he was into that sort of thing, you know, he could have had a, a high school career and a college career of it. But the fact of the matter is Reach Your Dream isn't a school. He's going to a real high school, a good high school in Memphis. He's allegedly a 3.5 GPA student. I've interviewed him a few times. He's a great quote, uh, except like I mentioned yesterday when he's talking to – talking about his recruitment and he has to turn every topic to his guardian, which again is just sad. Um, we're going to head to our first commercial break. We're not going to count the first one. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about football. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to talk more about Kentucky, Tennessee today because I'm not going to spend as much time on it tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be the big college basketball preview day, uh, which I'm looking forward to without a doubt. And and then you'll you'll get your PT picks of the week tomorrow as well. That'll be about the extent of college football that we talk. So we're going to talk back Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, and whatever other nonsense we get into. I'll make my prediction for both Scout Labissier and Isaiah Briscoe later in the show. So stick around here on fourteen fifty the Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here, second segment, on a very chilly Thursday. The sun's finally out, though. That's nice, but I'm, it, it, cold weather is no good. No good at all. And, and really, I don't care about the cold weather as much as I did in college or even in high school. I don't really have to walk to class. don't have to make a 20-minute walk to class, work from home. I am outside as little as I want to. Uh, so it doesn't really bother me as much, although having a dog has been troublesome, and we've only had like three cold weather days. So uh, he likes to get up around 6 o'clock in the morning to go outside. So that hasn't been very fun to have to deal with. But it looks like it's going to be cold for the, again, for the foreseeable future. 
Uh, it'd be nice if maybe it could get a little bit warmer for Thanksgiving, but I'm not I'm not going to hold my breath. Uh, and that and the rush of the first segment, I forgot to ask Yates how, how he's doing. And we, we get to Thursday, we move on from Ask Yates Wednesday, and I can't even ask him how he's doing to start the show. Yates, how are you? I'm doing well, TJ. I take no offense. You had a little hiccup there, so we'll we'll just uh, reset the show. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a wacky Thursday, no doubt. Uh, a busy Thursday, especially from a writing standpoint. Have to write commitment stories for both Lobissier and Briscoe, uh, even if they don't commit, then you just throw those stories out. Plus analysis. It's it's been a it's been a hectic morning, but now we're doing now we're on the radio show. We're having fun. Uh, and everybody's having a good time. I made a trade in fantasy. I I, I lead the league in trades. And I, as always, yeah, I just want to get your input on this. Um, again, I, it's it's desperation mode for me. I'm in eighth place. Uh, I am eight teams make the playoffs. I'm four and six. The four teams behind me, three and seven. The two teams above me, five and five. And we've got three games to go. Uh, Points-wise, so if we get in a tiebreaker setting, points-wise, I'm not looking too hot with some of the teams that are below me. So I need to keep this game cushion on them as much as possible. I'm going against a 3-7 and seven team this week. So theoretically, if I were to beat this team, I could bury this person and uh, not have to worry about them. And uh, assuming I maybe win one of my last two, don't lose both. Uh, basically, it'd be huge if I could win this week. So here's the trade, Yates. One team received Julius Thomas, Gerald, Trey Mason, and Bishop Sankey in a PPR. The other team received T.Y. Hilton, Brandon Oliver, Percy Harvin, and Matthew Stafford. And this is a keeper league and a PPR league, like I mentioned. Okay, give me the first... Group again, you sort of cut out there. I, I heard Bishop Sankey, Ju- Julius Thomas. Julius Thomas, Larry Fitzgerald, Trey Mason, Bishop Sankey. And the second group again? T.Y. Hilton, Brandon Oliver, Percy Harvin, Matthew Stafford. Oh, man, that's. I mean, it sounds like a pretty fair trade depending on you know what you need. If it's a keeper league... I would be inclined to go with the first team. Uh, I think Larry Fitzgerald's kind of a throwaway there, but I mean, it looks like Bishop Sankey's going to be the guy in Tennessee, and Trey Mason's going to be the guy in St. Louis. I don't know. Well, you only keep two players. Well, um, that's, yeah, that's true. I didn't. I don't, I forget about that because I don't do keeper. Um, and he. And here's the thing: the team that brought in Trey Mason and Bishop Sankey. Their two starting running backs were our Steven Jackson and Joyke Bell. So not that necessarily Trey Mason and Bishop Sankey are significantly better, but they were hurting at running back. So you're taking the, the people that got the running backs, Fitzgerald and Julius Thomas? Um, yeah, probably so. May, and I think maybe Julius Thomas pushed it over the top because it's so difficult to find a really good tight end this year that having one of the top three tight ends big deal. Well, I'm happy you say that. I 
was the one receiving Julius Thomas, Larry Fitzgerald, Trey Mason, and Bishop Sankey. Getting rid of T.Y. Hilton, who has been unbelievable this year, has been stellar, great, over 80 targets, where Julius Thomas has just had about uh, 53, 54 targets. Uh, so that's a, a significant difference. It's a PPR, remember. But Julius Thomas has 12 touchdowns. T.Y. Hilton's two or three. Um also, I've, you know, quarterback situation, getting rid of Matthew Stafford. I've got Colin Kaepernick and Matthew Stafford. Been very uh, underwhelmed with and not impressed with Colin Kaepernick the last few weeks, but I'm, I'm going to roll with him. Larry Fitzgerald, okay. But I, I desperately needed some running backs, so I'm happy to get Trey Mason, Bishop Sankey. Uh, both of those guys are trending up in terms of the amount of carries they're getting. Uh, good PPR backs. So we'll have to see how that works out. Don't like losing Percy Harvin. Liked him. Brandon Oliver's terrible, and Ryan Matthews is back, so he's not going to be getting nearly as many carries. Don't like giving away T.Y. Hilton. Was going to keep him, but I guess now I will keep Julius Thomas going forward. Also, I have Josh Gordon on my bench. Look forward to being able to use him next week. Also have Greg Olson. So I've got two really good tight ends, uh, but at least now I have options. So... Uh, interesting trade there. I desperately need a win. Uh, so cross your fingers for me, Yates. I'm doing anything I can. The trade deadline is tomorrow. So I had to get this in. And uh, I'm, I'm going down fighting, even if I don't make the playoffs. I've only missed the playoffs in this league, and we've been doing it for nine years now. Only missed the playoffs once. Um, only won the league once, but can't win the league if you're not in the playoffs. So. A little fantasy football talk there. We have uh, tweets coming in left and right from Brun DMC. Haven't really read them yet or looked at the links of what he's talking about. Um, we'll see. After the Bears game, Aaron Rodgers now has the highest career passer rating with uh, 106.2 in the NFL. Thank you for that fun fact, Brun DMC. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, one that I like a lot. I don't know if I've ever told this story on the air, but I I liked Aaron Rodgers. I had nothing against him when he was just a, a young pup on the Packers. Um, huge Brett Favre fan. Grew up just idolizing Brett Favre. Favorite player in any sport. I would always wear number four growing up. Uh, I'll try to get his autograph several times. Failed several times. Finally, my parents stepped in because as a eight or nine year old. I wasn't doing a, a very good job. Um, but well, I, I, you knew he was retiring. You knew he was getting older and, uh, Aaron Rodgers seemed to be that guy. Well, Green Bay drafts Brian Brom, the Louisville quarterback. And I swore up and down that Brian Brom was going to beat out Aaron Rodgers and be Green Bay's next quarterback to be there for years and at the time I really didn't see why that wouldn't work and based on their college careers and what they did in college I didn't you know you could still make a case for that uh, being the right decision or or a popular opinion to have of course it did not work out that way whatsoever now you have it as Aaron Rodgers debatably the second best quarterback in the NFL and Brian Brom playing in Canada but you know, like I've said, I, been, oh. I assure you, you weren't the only person who had that same sentiment. I, I just, I didn't, 
you know, I mean, I didn't know a lot about or about Aaron Rodgers, but I, and I did know a lot about Brian Brom growing up watching him both at Louisville and at Trinity. But man, you know, how did that? How did that? I guess it had happened. You know, Tim Tim Couch was an unbelievable college quarterback, and really not a terrible NFL quarterback, just on terrible teams. And you know, you only get so many chances. But what what went wrong for Brian Brom in the NFL? I wish I knew. I, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I, I the first thing that I, that comes to my head is that he, he looked better than he was because of Petrino's system. But I mean, he had a, loads of talent coming into college, so I mean, I don't feel like it could be that entirely. So, I mean, I, I don't. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not good enough with my. X's and O's when it comes to football to be able to pinpoint exactly what it was. I think that's part. Of it. I think it's a little bit more than X's and O's in the NFL, and that's why you can see so many college quarterbacks that just dominate in college football struggle in the NFL because I think decision making plays a big role in being a really good NFL quarterback. Uh, you know, debatably, one of the worst decision makers that were that was a really really good successful NFL quarterback was Brett Favre, uh, kind of had a carefree attitude on the field, but it, you know, it's, it's, it go, it's more than X and O's. You gotta, you gotta be smart. You gotta make smart plays. You have to trust your wide receivers. You have to trust that they're going to do the, the right thing. And it, it, you have to fall in the right situation. And if it doesn't happen, you can be the most dominant quarterback in college football. And we've seen Heisman trophy winners bust in the NFL. Uh, Tim Tebow, and, you know, Tim Tebow is kind of a different story. He never had a really college or an NFL style of play as a quarterback. But Brian Brom certainly did, and it didn't work out for him. Tim Couch did, didn't work out for him. And just you got to fall into the right situation. Stove in the G-Chat's asking me to talk some more college basketball. Save that question for tomorrow. The question is, more likely to be first-team All-American, Montrose Harrell, or anyone from UK? Uh, just say, save, save your question college basketball questions for tomorrow. Got to talk a little football today uh, and already running out of time because I'm not going to talk it tomorrow uh, except for, you know, maybe recap on a prediction or two. But Kentucky at Tennessee, it's just it, – it, I wish for radio purposes, for UK fans that listen to the show and, you know, want to be optimistic, and I was telling UK fans to be optimistic heading or after the Georgia game, it's just it, – it could get bad – on Saturday in Knoxville. And I'll be there. I'll be down in Knoxville watching the game. But just the mental makeup of these two teams, I feel, is different. They're kind of trending in different directions. And I'm not ready to completely throw out the uk UVL game. And we're going to have plenty of time to talk about that game. I think that bye week is huge, absolutely huge for Kentucky. But it's just it's it's a week too late. Kentucky just needs to have a longer break where they can mentally ta- rest, physically rest, and kind of pull everything back together. Defensively, it's just it, it's going to be really tough to come away from a Georgia team that did anything they wanted to you, literally on the field. If they wanted to run, they were going to run for eight yards. If they wanted to pass, they were probably going to pass for a touchdown. They were able to do whatever they wanted and then to have to try to rebound off that and face a very tricky 
Joshua Dobbs quarterback that had their way with Kentucky last year. Now, Tennessee doesn't have the overall rushing attack that Georgia did. They don't have the passing attack that that Georgia did or Mississippi State. You know, if you if you balance out Tennessee, they're Kentucky hasn't played a you know, you can make a case maybe that Tennessee is as talented as Missouri. I would still say Missouri is a little bit more talented. Missouri did go to the SEC East Championship game last year. You'd have to go back to Louisiana Monroe since Kentucky played a team. And Tennessee's obviously significantly more talented than Louisiana Monroe, but LSU's more talented than Tennessee. Mississippi State, more talented. Missouri, Georgia, all more talented. So it's been a while since Kentucky has played a team with Tennessee's talent level. And, and really, you know, South Carolina would be a better comparison. October 4th. And South Carolina kind of dominated Kentucky early in that game, too. Now, Kentucky fought back. That South Carolina team turns out it's not really good. Really good at blowing games. They did that against Tennessee up 14 with five minutes to go. Lost that game. That's tough to do. But that's also impressive for Tennessee, a team starting more freshmen, playing more freshmen than anybody else in the SEC to find a way to win that game. So it's a young team, but it's a confident team. They're coming off uh, a bye. They're feeling good. So I, I think Kentucky's going to going to fall on Saturday, and, and I would like to have reasons to to be convinced that they could keep it close. And my only reason is that I've been a lo- I've been wrong a lot lately. So me saying all this probably means that it's going to be a a very close game. But I, I think Tennessee's an eight and a half point favorite. And if you know if I were a betting man, I would I would like Tennessee to cover that. And Tennessee's got a lot to play for. They're still looking for a bowl game, uh, you know, as is Kentucky. But Tennessee's going to have to win two of their last three, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Kentucky, to make a bowl. And, yes, that sounds kind of easy. Vanderbilt's an automatic win. But that puts a lot of pressure on the Kentucky game because Missouri's looking good. They're playing sharp. So we'll have to see how it turns out. But right now I'm not – feeling optimistic about Kentucky's chances. And it doesn't really have to do much with the offense. I like the way the offense played against Georgia. I like the way the offense played against Mississippi State. Nobody liked what Kentucky's offense did against Missouri. And that was a road game. And sure enough, we're back on the road again in Knoxville. But even when the offense is playing okay, it just hasn't been enough lately. Anyways, we're going to head to our last commercial break. We've got a text in, a tweet in from Rob Blackhawk that we'll read when we come back. And then we'll, I'll give you my predictions on Isaiah Briscoe and, and Scal Labissier. Maybe a final score prediction for Kentucky, Tennessee, and whatever other nonsense we get into here in this last segment. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. 
We're back here. One final segment on a chilly Thursday. No Louisville football game this week, but basketball back. Cards take on Minnesota. They're in Puerto Rico. Looks like they're having a lot of fun via Twitter. Kentucky also plays tomorrow Grand Canyon. It'd be a lot more fun if they played that game in the Grand Canyon. And hopefully people won't remember my Grand Canyon joke. Probably going to use it again tomorrow. So look forward to doing that. Make sure you join us tomorrow on the Sports Talker, 3 o'clock, 1450, the Sports Buzz College Basketball Preview Show. All the college basketball you can handle. If you're wondering where your PT picks of the weeks are, those will be tomorrow. That might be the extent of football that we talk about. Rob Blackhawk tweets in and says, who won this trade in a keeper league? It also matters how many keepers the league has. Uh, but Dwight Howard, Greg Monroe, Brandon Knight for Blake Griffin, Jared Solinger, J.R. Smith. I would say the team that landed Dwight Howard, Greg Monroe, Brandon Knight. Greg Monroe started off the year not great, but been playing well of the late. Uh, I like Blake Griffin. I like Jared. I like the other. I like the other three players. Uh, I just think Dwight Howard is one of the most dominant big men and, and, and a good fantasy player. Greg Monroe, good fantasy player. Brandon Knight, great fantasy player. Jared Solinger, I don't know if his fantasy worth is phenomenal just yet. J.R. Smith, hit or miss. Blake Griffin, solid. But um, I would I'd, – I'd take Dwight Howard, Greg Monroe, and Brandon Knight in that deal. Anyways, uh, Yates, did you see that UConn's Rodney Purvis suspended a game – I did not see that, but he unfortunately has a bit of a track record. I mean, I, not that he's been in a lot of trouble, but he's bounced around all over the place. So I guess it's not terribly surprising that he's in a little bit of trouble. Well, here's why he's in trouble. He played in too many summer pickup basketball games. Um and the NCAA has a rule against that. And it's not like summer pickup basketball games with your team or your buddies on, you know, your outdoor court. These are kind of organized games. Uh, it could be your high school's alumni game. Uh, it would be an example. You can't do all these organized games. And he played in too many of them. So the NCAA is saying he's going to have to sit out one game. Um my take on this is it's everybody. This is another chance for everybody to jump on the NCAA and go out and get your pitchforks and torches and we're heading to Indy. Uh, just who cares? He suspended a game for, for a rule that, you know, I, I don't know if he knew this was a rule. Um, I'm not sure if I knew this was a rule. I didn't, uh, I kind of figured that you probably weren't allowed to go play in all these different sanctioned games across the, across the world. But you'd think that him being a student athlete, he would know these rules and not do it. And whether or not you think it's stupid, just don't do it. If you want to play basketball, you're allowed to play as many pickup games as you want with your teammates. So if you care that much about getting suspended for a game, and I'm sure he probably doesn't, it's one game then don't do it. It's that simple. The rules, it's not like some surprise rule that came out of nowhere. 
So I, I hate when people get one little inch to jump on the NCAA and then they act like the NCAA just murdered a ton of people. They're playing Bryant. I think UConn will be okay. The defending national champs will be okay without Rodney Purvis against Bryant. Weird schedule for UConn to start the basketball season, if I'm if what I'm looking at is correct. Just three games between now and November 30th. They'll play Bryant. They'll take six days off, play College of Charleston, then take 10 days off before playing Texas, which will be a fun game to watch. But geez, it's wild. So everybody hoping and waiting to see Rodney Purvis will have to wait just a little bit longer. I mean, I am curious to see how this UConn team does. It's, you know, this time last year, nobody was really talking about UConn. Sure enough, national championship. Nobody's really talking about this year, although, you know, they're, it's, they lost some players. Uh, we'll, we'll wait till tomorrow to get into all that college basketball talk. Some fun, exciting college football games. Alabama-Mississippi State this weekend at Alabama. Um, again, the Kentucky game starts at 4 o'clock, so won't be seeing much of that game. I, I do think Alabama wins. I think Saban will be able to figure out a way to stop or at least slow down Dak Prescott, and then I'm not sure Mississippi State's defense is going to be able to stop Alabama's offense. We'll see, though. Uh, it's a, it's a fun, that's going to be a fun game in the SEC. A big game for Missouri this weekend as well. They're going to take on Texas A&M at Texas A&M. Texas A&M now with a lot of momentum after beating Auburn in the Plains. Uh, Missouri wins that game. They're they're sitting pretty for the SEC East. They lose that, and I think Georgia has a, a great chance to make it. But Georgia plays Auburn, so it's a good weekend in the SEC. That game's at Georgia. Todd Gurley's back. Auburn's coming off a loss. Uh, so, again, a lot of great football in the conference this weekend. And not going to complain about it anymore, but I'm not going to be able to watch any of it having to make a day trip up and back to Knoxville. But it'll be a good time. Anyways, thanks for listening today. Make sure you join us tomorrow. It's going to be a fun show. Uh, Might even have a guest. Who knows? No promises being made. Uh, But it's finally college basketball season in the Commonwealth. One of the happiest times, happiest four or five months of the year here in this state. So uh, thanks for listening, but make sure you tune in tomorrow here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll see you then. Kentucky home, my old Kentucky home. Oh, they say welcome to the 502. Take the Jordan boy, show him how Kentucky do. Oh.